the big idea. The church is not an optional commodity to be consumed at my convenience. It's a covenantal community to be selflessly committed to at a great personal cost. Our weekly identity statement, I am a part of the family of God at 6-8 Church. Together, we are the body of Christ bringing heaven to earth. And our memory verse, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. So far this week, we've talked about four dirty words, give over get, and owners versus renters. Today, we're going to look at unity over ego in the church, Matthew chapter 20, verse 20 through 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Can you imagine? My mom wasn't really like Mama Zebedee, so it's a little difficult for me, but I would have been humiliated if my mom had done this. This would be like my mom going to someone running for president and asking me to be their VP. It's ridiculous. The other gospel accounts show other times where the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest and who would be Jesus' right-hand man. When you are arguing for your own position, it's inevitable that the unity of the group will suffer. If Jesus was going to have a right-hand man, he probably had one in mind. You could make the case that Peter was Jesus' guy because of his statement, You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. But this is John's mom. Now that John has made his case to be VP, for Jesus to put Peter in that slot puts Jesus and the unity of the group at risk. Now Jesus has some drama to deal with. Thanks a lot, Mama Zebedee. Jesus set the record straight pretty quick. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? Not realizing what Jesus was asking them, they responded, Yes, we can. Jesus knew what they would eventually face. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus was drinking his cup, none of his disciples were at his right hand. Instead, at his right hand was a thief. Where were they now that Jesus was drinking his cup? John was the closest, at least he was present. Peter may have been present watching from a distance, but why weren't they fighting to be at Jesus' right hand now? One word, ego. Fighting for status or position only benefits our ego. And now that Jesus is dying on the cross, there isn't anything to be gained from being at Jesus' right hand other than humiliation. Jesus' rise in popularity ended with a dramatic negative turn in the polls. His approval rating plummeted. 
Now that Jesus is at an all-time low, there's no longer a battle for position. Over the years, I have let my own ego drive me too much in my approach to ministry. In my years as a worship pastor, my ego grew and grew as my influence and popularity within the congregation grew. It affected me to the point that I was absolutely convinced that I could do the senior pastor's job way better if I only had the opportunity. Now that I've been in that position for six and a half years, I know I was being an idiot. The challenges, the weight, and the requirements of being a senior pastor are much different when they fall on your shoulders. But I let my ego drive a wedge between me and my senior leader. That's what ego does. It, it drives wedges. It divides. Much, if not all, of the division in the church today stems from ego. Someone becomes absolutely convinced they know more or better than another, and, and they're going to fight until they get their way. The result is division, fracture, and even total destruction. If we're going to be the body of Christ, we have to follow the way of Christ and crucify our ego. No, I don't think Jesus was crucifying his ego, but if his ego was out of control, he wouldn't have gone to the cross. We have to follow the way of Jesus and be willing to lay our life down for someone else. Oh, and and while we're laying our life down, we need to be forgiving and comforting, not critical and condemning. Can you imagine if Jesus had been mocking John on the cross? Don't want to be at my right hand now, do you, John? Where you at, Peter? Here, Jimmy, 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 Jimmy. It's your turn to be crucified. Of course, Jesus didn't do that. We might have, but Jesus didn't. Instead, he offered forgiveness to the man on his right and didn't defend himself from the insults coming from his left. Can you imagine being in a church where unity was the driving force behind everything and egos and insecurities were minimized? I'm not saying that people shouldn't have positions and titles and authority. That's part of God's design too. But what if we didn't allow those things to distract or detract from our unity? What if we understood that our job isn't to be noticed but to help people notice Jesus? And that the best way to do that was by representing him as one body? What if we were a church that didn't allow our personal agenda and belief that we are always right get in the way of doing God's work? Our daily scripture focus, Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 through 28, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. As we wrap up, I encourage you to take a few minutes to think and pray through a few things. First, conceptualize. Imagine watching the exchange between Mama Zebedee, James, and John, along with the other disciples going down. How would you be feeling as one of the twelve? Reflect. Have you been wounded because you didn't get a position or role you thought you deserved? Is ego playing a part in your decision to serve in the church? Has ego kept you from fulfilling God's mission? Has ego led you to create division in the church because of your own agenda? Next, repent. Spend some time praying and ask God to change your mind and heart about each of these areas. Ask God to help you turn away from your own pride and seek only to make much of Jesus. And finally, thank God. Thank God that Jesus didn't allow his ego to keep him from fulfilling his mission. 